Beyond the Mic with Sean Dillon. And we're joined on the star line by a man who's won Grammys, ACMs, and is a friend of the show. Shenandoah's Marty Rayburn. Welcome back. Brother, it is absolutely wonderful to be with you again. It really is. Let's go beyond the mic. Your latest release, Rebird in the Wind, features Charlie Daniels. It's a tribute to Leonard Skinner Fallen Band members. How did this song come together? Well, you know, actually, a buddy of mine, Scott Ennis, he does the voice of Scooby-Doo. He and I have been really good friends for a long time, and uh, he called me one day, and he said, man, he said, would you mind if I sent you something? And I said, I, I don't mind at all. And he goes, man, I, I know you love Skinner. We talked about it a whole bunch. And I said, yeah, I, I did. See, I, I actually grew up on the west side of Jacksonville. Now, look, I didn't know Skinner. I, I didn't know Leonard Skinner. I, I, I didn't know Ronnie Van Zandt. I didn't know Johnny Van Zandt. I, I, I didn't know Gary Rock. I didn't know any of the Skinner guys. You know, I, I just I just grew up on the same side of town they did. And then all of a sudden, of course, and they, they were older uh, than I as well, too. And being familiar with where they came from, being familiar with what they did, you know, around where we lived there in West Jacksonville, Florida, it was, they were real popular. You know, a lot of people knew about what was going on with them and stuff. So, therefore, they were always in the news and up front. Anyway, he said, look, he said, man, I got this thing. So, man, can I send it to you? And man, just call me back, tell me what you think, be honest. And so I did, I called him back, and I said, man, I really like this thing, man, I'm not kidding you. He said, you think you'd cut it? And I said, I said, now, mind you, I said, now, that, if we cut it, we would cut it country. You know, it'd have more of a country flavor to it. He said, well, that's what I'm talking about. He said, because, you know, to tell you the truth, the demographic, a lot of people that listen to country music nowadays that love y'all's kind of country music, they they would know Leonard Skinner. And I said, well, you know, actually, that's fact. You know, that's that's pretty good research. Anyway, so the next thing you know, he sent it to me. See, I now live in Muscle Shoals, Alabama, where Skinner cut most of their big hits. In fact, their very, very last record they cut here in Muscle Shoals, and their very, very first record they cut here. They cut in a couple other places, but they came back to the shows to cut their records. And anyway, at the time they had cut Freebird, in Muscle Shoals at 3614. And it's a studio, the Muscle Shoals Sound. And, of course, we even went to the same studio. I got a film crew to come in and to tape it. That way, you know, folks could not only just see the studio, but, in fact, the, the piano that, that our piano player, Travis Mobley, is, is playing is the same piano that Billy Powell had played for Skinner. Wow. Uh, on, you, know, you know, Free Bird, that piano riff and all of other kind of stuff. Anyway, he puts that at the end of the song, but, you know, it was just really one of those uh, just really kind of magical things that happened, and the love that Charlie Daniels had for Ronnie Van Zant. Charlie had to be reached out. He had to be reached to, to either be a part of it, to sing a part of it, or, in fact, when he and I were talking, he, he called me one morning, he said, look, he said, I want to run this by you, and he run it by me, and what, it run, what he run by me was the same thing he did in the eulogy at Ronnie Van Zandt's funeral. And that's the front of the song, Free Bird, You're Free at Last, you know, like, you know that, that type stuff uh, that's on the front of the tune was the same thing that Judy Van Zandt, Ronnie's wife, said, listen, said, I love that. And said, what I'm going to do is I'm going to literally have that in, at his graveside. And she does. Well, I heard you played the demo for Skinner's drummer, Artemis Pyle. How did he react? We played it for Gary Rossing, and Gary loved it. You know, Gary thought, man, that's really pretty cool, you know, even after all these years. And, 
But, you know, you would think that somebody that had achieved what Skinner Dem had done, and I guess, to be honest with you, uh, to be marked that people would know you was because of a plane crash. Steve Gaines and his sister Cassie, and then Ronnie Van Zandt, of course, were killed in the plane crash as far as members of the band. That was three major parts of that band that was lost. And the and the other folks that survived, you know, you, you think, man, goodness sakes alive, that's... Uh, that's really kind of what we're known for is, is the crash. But what we knew him for was the music. The song is out now and proceeds of the song are going somewhere special, I hear. It goes to the, uh, the, the Leonard Skinner Foundation. You know, we said right off the bat, you know, what we wanted to do was, is, you know, look, we thought enough of the song that we wanted to cut it. So we went in there and spent our own money, done everything to do it, the film crew, the whole shoot match, you know, without finding out from it. Some things literally even after we had gotten done. The guy that had shot the footage, now if you go to YouTube, you can see parts of the video that I'm speaking of, and you can also listen to the tune, Freebird in the Wind, as well, too. I got the chance and the opportunity to go to Gillsburg, Mississippi, where the plane had went down. After we got all of it done, and, and we thought that MCA owned the rights to the film that was collected for, for our video, the live footage of them being on stage, the live footage of, of them being on the aircraft, which, and of course, and it wasn't the day that the plane crashed, of course, but it, it, after all of that was said and done, then the gentleman that actually shot the video for all the stuff that's on there, he contacted our management and said, man, you know, I, I'm actually the guy that shot the film on Skinner. I was the one that was in the plane with him on another occasion. That's not the day that the plane went down. Although people would think that, you know, that wasn't the day that that happened. It's not the one that, you know, when it's showing them loading the plane and, and then playing cards and, and all this other kind of stuff. So I'm actually the one that did that. What I'm wanting to do is, is I'm actually wanting to do an interview with him, you know, and actually talk about, you know, and it's not a Leonard Skinner's quest or anything like that. It's just for, for me and me personally, again, from where I grew up and, and how it was when I grew up and all of the other kind of stuff, it just would really suffice a lot of a lot of questions that I have about all of it. Wow. Just that whole story is just amazing on how that all Yeah, you know, and, and, and the biggest thing that was told is, you know, look, you know, they, they didn't put enough fuel they run out of fuel. They they didn't run out of fuel. I mean they they eventually run out of fuel, but the reason why is because they actually were going to have the motor prop engine on the plane fixed in Louisiana the next day after the concert that night. They were going to have a mechanic look because it had been spitting and firing. And, and see, what a lot of people you know, didn't know about that plane, uh, there was another rock group that had been using it. And they said, man, look, man, that thing's dangerous. Man, that, they had been uh, motor putters and... And all of those kind of stuff. So, man, we think that thing's unsafe. We're not going to do it. And who that was was Stephen Tyler. You know, and they just said, look, we're just not going to do this. So Skinner, hey, we got this run. We got to get to where we got to get to doing this. So Skinner used it. And and they had used it on a couple other shows as well, too. But they were going to get it fixed. And what had happened, it was like spit and sputter, like I'm saying, and before it's all over with, they run out of fuel, but it, they didn't run out of fuel because they didn't put enough fuel on. Mm-hmm. That wasn't the problem. You said you grew up 
in the same area. Did you ever have time to talk or, or friends with uh, Ronnie Van Zant? No, you know, like I'm saying, I, I never had the opportunity of ever meeting him uh, at all. In fact, I seen Billy Powell about two or three weeks after the crash because where we lived, you know, Skinner had been up and making it and running, you know, you know, pretty hot and heavy and that kind of stuff. And in between the, the time lapse, we had moved out to a place in Green Cove Springs, Florida, in Clay County. Well, and Billy Powell had moved out. Well, we didn't know that either. There was an old store. They would do horseback riding and that kind of stuff. There was a lake out there. You could ride, you could rent horses and stuff and some uh, acreage and stuff and, and some houses. We had moved out there to what they called Lake Asbury. While out there, a couple, two or three weeks after uh, the plane crash, my brother said, said, man, here comes Billy Powell. Nah, that ain't Billy Powell. I, man, what, what are you talking about Billy Powell? He said, I'll tell you, that's Billy Powell. And he said, no, I said, no, 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 that's not Billy Powell. And he said, yes, it is. And then the closer we got, of course, you know, realizing, you know, that it was him. And actually, that was the first time I'd ever met him. Not trying to be real graphic, but he had one crutch. He was walking up the road. He he actually was going to that, that little store I was telling you about. That's where he was going and wanted to get out and get some sunshine and stuff like that. And, and of course, my brother was talking to him about the crash. I mean, I didn't even want to mention any of that. But my brother even mentioned, didn't want to know how he was doing and stuff. And, of course, there was a nasty, nasty gash on his leg. To be honest with you, I couldn't hardly keep my eyes off that. But, you know, you know how kids are. But, you know, that's what I remember about it. Other than that, I never had the opportunity of seeing Billy Powell again. Now, <laughs> one thing that was really pretty neat, the drummer with the Atlanta Rhythm Section and Gary Rosington, uh, when Shannon Bella had a club gig here in the shows. We were playing a club called the, uh, the Lamplighter. And it was about eight, ten miles uh, out of town, out of Muscle Shoals. And, and it was a private club, so therefore it stayed open all kind of hours. Man, the guy could, he could go off to six o'clock in the morning if he wanted to, and most of the time he did. We were playing up there in Rosington, and I don't, I don't even know his name, but he was the drummer for the Atlanta Rhythm Section, came in. And they'd listened to a couple sets that we had played. And so Rosington said, man, said, would you mind if I got up and, you know, sit in and play some guitar with y'all? So, you know, we're thinking, he <laughs> may Gary Rosington wants to play guitar with us. Yeah, man, that's cool. He sat in with us and stuff like that. Man, it was really, really pretty neat. You know, of course, that, you know, doing a free bird and, and that kind of stuff and, and give me three cents sweet home and, you know, the typical Leonard Skinner songs that you know in a club gig. You know, that's the kind of stuff we did. And then we did some other stuff that, it, that he really enjoyed playing because it wasn't the same old thing that he had to play all the time. But that actually was an interesting evening. It was really kind of a nice way of being able to, you know, because they're calling quits, knowing that it was going to be kind of the end of the tour and all that other kind of stuff. It, it was really kind of a nice way to pay a little bit of a, a tribute to a to a band and a, and a group of people that really had changed the complexity really what the South and what rock music was in the South was. We're joined on the Starline by Marty Rayburn of Shenandoah on Beyond the Mic, the first original album in over 20 years. How did it feel to start writing? And It was really, really pretty nice. Of course, you know, uh, when you get out there to, you know, pick and sing a little bit, you know, for folks, you know, they're still going to want to hear the hits. So you want to make sure that that's, you know, you're doing that. And on top of that, you know, you want to make sure that you 
you doing stuff that entertains and keeps the show going with the new album and the new material that we had on it. You know, we knew that we wanted to, you know, keep on till we could incorporate, you know, the tunes as they would come, as singles would come. And so we added the first one into the show, Noise, and uh, which we wrote by a good old Texas boy, too. Uh, the second one was a ballad that really, I really honestly think was is probably one of the strengths that we've always had in our music, you know, has been the ballads and especially the storyline that was behind it. Uh, that's where I grew up. The latest one that we had uh, was a little bit of living. You know, just want to, in fact, it'll remind you of, uh, a whole lot of uh, Next to You, Next to Me. And just really excited to, to be able to play new music and, and even to announce that it's the first music that you've had in 20 years and, and that kind of stuff. And that way it you know, kind of always lets people know that you you're not done, you're not finished, uh, you're not you're not quitting. You know, you're going on, and you you, you know you're doing this thing because you know uh, you still love doing what you do. You know, look, I still love people. Uh, I love getting out performing for people. That, that's really what 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 the album was all about. The reason for doing it. Where did you record most of the album? We did the tracks at, at a place called the Castle in Franklin, Tennessee, and then we did the vocals at uh, Jada Marcus's studio. And then we did the background vocals at Wishbone here in Muscle Shows. Marty, as music legends start to pass away with time, what message do you have for the young people to experience these legends before they're gone? I would think that, you know, you hear this bucket list mentioned all the time. And in fact, it's almost kind of got cliche, you know, people say, you know, on the bucket list. But, but I'll say this, you know, I mean, if, in fact, let me give you a great example. Mike McGuire, our drummer, been with the band ever since it started, is a huge, Huge Gordon Lightfoot fan, and his sister as well too. And, and uh, he came to Birmingham, Alabama, and uh, he went over and seen him. And he said, "Man, I I wouldn't give anything in the world to have gone and seen him." He said, "Man, he's getting old. You know, you can tell he's not he's not able to get it as you know as good as he used to get. But Lord, you know, he's got some age on him. But man, he still put on a great show. And and said, "Man, I just enjoyed going." And, and I, and I know with a lot of times, I mean, you know, we'll even hear that with people, you know, even saying that about, you know, man, man, I've been a fan. Y'all literally been the soundtrack of my life. It's the outbeatest thing I've ever heard. I, you know, I, man, I, I, I've loved y'all's music. And, man, just to have the opportunity to come see you. You know, I, I know for one thing, I know it makes the artists feel good, but, but it's kind of the what you were talking about. You know, unfortunately, you know, I, I see Willie Nelson at, uh, at CMA's, this past year, and while seeing, uh, well, I went over and spoke to him, and the reason why it was is because through the years we worked, you know, shows with him, and he'd been in the hospital on a couple of occasions, and, you know, I went over there to where he was at, and I spoke to him, and said, well, it sure is good to see you again, and, man, wanted to say howdy, and hope and pray everything's, you know, going well with you, and left, and, you know, now look, man, will that be the last time I see Willie Nelson? I don't know that. I really don't. But I do know that the last time that that I did meet with him was an absolutely very very pleasant conversation and a very very pleasant you know opportunity and and which and a place in which to do it. Well, is there a young artist out there now that you guys would like to record something with? Man, there's there's a man, there's a bunch of you know I I uh, it seems like there's just been so many it's kind of hard to keep up with them, but. Uh, man, I like Michael Ray. I, you know, I, I like Dustin Lynch. I, I'd say, you know, a new artist, Al Dean. You know, Al Dean's not really, you know, that new of an artist anymore. He's been, he's been around 
you know, for, for a few years now. There, there's really so much great talent out there to, to be sung with, and I think Luke Combs has, has got a, a really, really nice future to look forward to. Proud of the acceptance of, of what people, you know, have uh, have shown him, and it's really a good thing. I'm extremely proud of, of what he's doing as far as being able to, uh, his acceptance. Chris Stapleton, man, I, you know, I love Stapleton, which, you know, he's been around for a while, too. There's really a lot of great music that's out right now. There really is. There's a, there's a great volume of, of what people can pick from, uh, like you can a great book out of the library. Shenandoah's co-founder, Marty Rayburn, joins us beyond the mic. You guys are co-headlining the 2020 Country Throwback Tour with Restless Heart. What, what's your thoughts on the resurgence of classic country artists? Hey, I think it's great. I, I really do. And, and to be honest with you, it's uh, kind of nice because it's where a lot of the fans that miss seeing, you know, the acts that they like. Man, you think about it. I mean, I, I was gone from the group for 17 years and then, you know, came back. And, you know, Larry Stewart was gone from Restless Heart for a few years. And, and he came back as well, too. And it, it's really kind of a nice thing that, you know, so that people that, that were Shenandoah fans and Restless Heart fans. You know, I, I didn't get to see them, you know, when, when they were originally out. I, I'd love to go see them now. You know, we could talk to you for hours and hours, but time's running out. So it's time for the Rocking Eight. It is the first thing that comes to your mind. You know how it works. Here we go. Favorite chord? G. Last book you read? The, the Pursuit of God by A.W. A. Tozer. Last gift you received? Uh, was <laughs> a turkey fryer. <laughs> man, it is the neatest thing. It, you know, it's done with propane, of course, man. Everybody said, well, yeah, you... No, 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 no. You don't dip the turkey down in... It, you dip it down into a basket, of course. But it's got a flame. And that's, that's the LP. It, it actually just keeps shooting the flame to it. I'm telling you, it, it makes the most delicious and the most juicy turkey that you've ever you can do chicken that way and you can also do a if you want to do a rump roast if you're going to do barbecue somebody said man i'm the lord god you know i'm from texas you can't do barbecue that way well in the state of alabama you can <laughs> now, I yet, but, and i probably will but yeah i mean you, you know you can do chicken but yeah i mean it's it's fantastic it's, it's called a big easy fry my oldest boy got it for me you know i normally cook on, on thanksgiving and christmas i usually originally do the turkey good old american fashion way where you stuff put stuff in it and bake it in the in the oven to man dad jenny's been trying this and this was a while back last year and man that's incredible that's great I said man you like that and he was setting me up and i said man I, yeah actually i do so then I was. I actually was going to buy one, and and and, and of course, Mama said, ah, "Look, let's don't get one of them. I, I, let's just keep let's keep making the turkeys the way we're making the turkeys. But don't get one of them." And what it was is because he told you, "Look, make sure Daddy, make sure Daddy don't get one of them fires." And I got that for Christmas. Apple, pumpkin, or pecan? Pumpkin. Favorite sports team? Uh, the Green Bay Packers. Artist you idolized growing up? Can I have two? Sure, we'll have two. Uh, Haggard and Jones. Okay, we talked about the uh, bucket list earlier. What's the one thing that you still want to do but still haven't made the time to do yet? Uh, well, um, can I have two here? Sure. <laughs> I would like for us to, to play Carnegie Hall. 
in uh, in New York to a sold-out house. And I would like to, before our career is over with, I'd like for us to have just, just one more number one record. He's the co-founder of Shenandoah and a friend of Beyond the Mic, Marty Rayburn. Thank you so much for joining us today. Hey, bless you, my man. I, I appreciate you having me, and I... I always go so, so forward, look to it, and uh, when we get up, when I know that I'm going to get a chance to chat with you. And that, my friends, is Beyond the Mic.